I'm going to be honest, Tom. It's my birthday tomorrow, or it'll have been my birthday by the time this goes out. So I'm, oh. I'm really not in the mood to take today very seriously. <laughs> I'm in party mode. I am in what? party mode. As, as you, what are they called? Those things that you blow and they uh, it flaps out and flaps back in again. One of them. Oh yeah. Part- what are they called? You were about to talk about party poppers. Can you remember one of my tricks at university with party poppers? I can, but I can't remember the details of it. I remember there was something you did with party poppers. <laughs> so we, we had a party at university. And one of our housemates, I, I, I won't name him, but I, I knew that I could play him. I knew I could play him really nicely because he was very, very competitive. And if I dared him to do something a little bit edgy, I knew he would do it. So what I did was I got oh, a party popper. I do popper. remember this. <laughs> I got a party popper. I was there, wasn't I? I was quite drunk, but I was there. I think you probably were. I think you probably were there. I gently took the little cardboard cap off the party popper, (laughs) removed all the contents, chewed up a banana, and spat it (laughs) into the cavity of the party popper. I put the cardboard cover back on, and I said to this chap who we will call, because I think it's only fair to this chap that we don't name him, Boris Sark. <laughs> Boris Sark. Boris Sark. So I, I then said, hey, hey, Boris Sark, I bet, I bet you're not hard enough. I bet you're not hard enough to let off a party popper in your own face. I bet you're too, sca- I bet you're too scaredy, cat. And he goes, yeah, oh, I bet I'll do it. You know, oh, I'm Boris Sark, I'd do anything like that. And, um, let's, so let's, he, let's, let's, let's. And so he let the party popper up on his face. <laughs> He's <laughs> just got a face full of chewed banana. And, and there was a silhouette of his face on the wall behind him. A little bit. It was beautiful. Thank you, Mother Bird. <laughs> yeah. Pre chewing my party snack. <laughs> also works well with guacamole. <laughs> I bet it does. It's that was genius. My darlings, welcome I to a little podcast. Oh, sorry. I interrupted. <laughs> sorry, sorry, you'd already prepared that bit. Sorry, I wasn't sure. I, hadn't, I was making up as I went along, but then you joined in, and I thought, "Oh no, he's doing the real one." And then I thought, <laughs> "What are we? What can we do? What can? I, how can I adapt quickly?" And then I decided to adapt by just ignoring you. So <laughs> hmm. anyway, sometimes Tom, as you can tell, I'm not the musical one of the pair. <laughs> but it is music week, isn't it, Tom? It is indeed music week, yes, absolutely, which is definitely your sphere of influence. This is my bag, this is my revenge for sports week. How many of those, are probably about three sports weeks I've managed to <laughs> to work into this podcast, haven't I? Yep, absolutely. Um, welcome one and all to That Was Genius, the history podcast in which Tom, who's the other guy, and Sam, who's this guy right here, discuss history stories on a theme each week. The theme is prepared the week in advance, but everything else is a surprise. And this week it is... Da, 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 da. Hey! Music. Excellent. It's music. <laughs> You've alluded already, Tom, to the fact you're not particularly musical. How have you found this week? This was quite good fun. And it, it was always going to be fun when it started last weekend with me going on Google and using the search term Mad German Composers. And from there, <laughs> it, 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 it's been an excellent journey. It really has been an Good. excellent journey. Good. I fear there might be some crossover between us, Tom. What? <laughs> so we both went down the same route. I'm not actually yep. going to talk about a mad German composer, but that's <laughs> quite amusing that we both had the same thought. <laughs> I'm actually going to talk about nursery rhymes. Ooh. 
But I would like to dedicate at least five minutes of this podcast to strange composers, and there seem to be a lot of them. Yes. A lot of very bizarre behaviour from composers <laughs> throughout history. Musicians are a quirky lot, aren't they, Tom? Yeah, it must attract a certain type of personality, mustn't it? To be g- good as a composer, you must have to be completely bonkers. <laughs> and it turns out, in quite a lot of cases, quite scatological in your sense of humour, as we will discuss shortly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I know who you're going for. <laughs> <laughs> who do you think I'm going to talk about, Tom? Is it a certain Wolfgang Amadeus? He might get a mention. He's not exclu- not exclusively... He might get a mention. I did stumble across the fact that he enjoyed poo and fart jokes. He really did. (laughs) (laughs) And this is completely new to me. He's a filthy little bastard. (laughs) He's a filthy little naughty boy. Uh, This is completely new to me because I didn't realise composers were just... It's so bonkers. Are you doing a, a, a number of mad German composers? So I made a promise last week. And my promise was that I hadn't done anything really old for a while, so I was going to go and do classics this week, or classical uh, civilizations. I made that promise, and then we decided to do music. And unfortunately, there's no real Roman music survived. We don't really know what Roman music was like. And the Greeks, there's loads of of stuff about ancient Greek music. Unfortunately, Tom, it's shit. (laughs) I had to learn about Greek music, ancient Greek music at university for six months. And it was unbelievably boring. It does sound like a boring topic. I'm sure it's not. I'm sure there are many, many academics who will be listening to this podcast. And I don't think there are any academics who listen to this podcast. I hope there aren't. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe for a bit of light relief. It's just for a sense of smugness when they point out all the silly things that we get wrong. Indeed. Uh, But I have to say, Greek music, ancient Greek music, is incredibly dull, Tom, and I just didn't want to inflict that upon our audience. So I've gone old. I'm doing a whistle-stop tour of the evolution of popular music in the Middle Ages and Renaissance. Oh, that's going to be very interesting. It is, Tom. I thought I'd go highbrow this week, and when I mean highbrow, I've gone really (laughs) lowbrow. Excellent. I'm essentially doing a whistle-stop tour of incredibly rude folk songs. (laughs) Yes, that's where we want to roll with this. Because it's not us being rude, is it, Sam? We're actually just... No, we're just historical messengers. We are indeed. I'm just reading from the primary source. And the primary source, Tom, likes to make poo jokes. Exactly. I almost went ancient as well. But I was considering Nero, ah. who obviously had a fiddle while Rome burnt down, didn't he? <laughs> and so I, I thought I could maybe, yeah, but then I, I do want to go ancient again. But then I did stumble across nursery rhymes, and some of them are pretty damn funny as well, and rude. So yeah, I've gone, I've gone a little bit rude this week as well. Good, good, good. You, I can hear a child screaming in the background. Are you alright with that? Do you need to stop? Do, do wanna, yeah, can you pause a moment? I'll just quickly go and check everything's okay. I mean, we could make a joke about nursery rhymes, but from the sounds of it, the ones you're going to talk about aren't necessarily the ones that are going to lull a child to, <laughs> to peaceful sleep. No, no. Um, Certainly not one who's just learning to talk. No. We should probably flip something, shouldn't we? I've gone historically valid today in what I'm going to flip. Not very interesting, but I've got my National Trust membership card. Oh, good on you. Yeah. Have you got a little sticker to put in your car as well? I do, like the granddad I am. Yeah, it is very good. For all of our listeners, it? I'm turning 33 on Sunday... And I happy day to you. Yeah, happy day to you. Can you remember that all you could eat Chinese in Birmingham? I think you were the one that told me about it. <laughs> Sounds unlike me. Yes, I do. I do remember this all you can eat Chinese. <laughs> yeah, I remember the manager would come out and croon to people when it was their birthday. He would so indeed. 
there was manager a of the Chinese Dragon Barbecue. Yeah, it was it called Dragon Barbecue? Was it? It and was. A, a, a tiny little Chinese man who would stand up on a stage, get his microphone, and just start crooning, Happy birthday to you. <laughs> he had, he fancied himself as quite the baritone crooner, didn't he? He really did give it something. He, had to, you know, he held the microphone with some real charisma as well. He had his little, he little, did. little finger up. What I particularly liked is he didn't have to do this. There was no contractual obligation for the manager to come out and sing Happy Birthday. But I, I suspect it was probably the only song he knew. <laughs> and, and he wasn't going to let an opportunity pass him up. Sometimes, Tom, I'm not entirely sure it was someone's birthday. I'm no, pretty sure he might have done thing. it at awake at yeah. one point. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I, I interrupted again. Yes, happy birthday, Sam, in, in a day's time. No problem, Tom. Well, thank, thank, thank you. Thank you. But like a true 33-year-old, I'm entering middle age and crashing into middle age with a National Trust membership, which allows me to go and look at historic houses and enjoy cream teas throughout the UK. Oh, yes. Please sponsor us, National Trust. We love your houses. Yes, I'm going to flip my National Trust card. Would you like the side that's got my name on it? Or the side that says, thank you for supporting us. I look after World Heritage Sites and Sandy Beaches and 200 historic homes and blah, 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 blah. Which side do you want, Tom, top or bottom? Is that what it says? It says blah, 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 blah. It says blah, 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 blah. I will go for the side that sounds like a posh old man in a snooker club. Excellent. <laughs> we'll flip the card. We'll flip the card. Card's been flipped and landed, Tom. An audio treat for our audience. You have won this week, Tom. Yes. Right. Uh, I'm going to go first. Oh, go on. Treat yourself. Right. Okay. <laughs> treat yourself, sweetheart. Treat yourself. <laughs> so, as I mentioned earlier, I started with the Google search mad German composers and then quite quickly learned that all composers are mad. And yes. Not just Germans, Tom. No, Not just you know, Germans. You don't have to be German to be a mad composer. I've got a quick list here, Sam, and you, you'll probably... I, I hope I won't touch on some of the people you're going to talk about, but some of these are too funny not to quickly mention. <laughs> this chap, who was presumably Italian, a chap called Carol Gesualdo, killed his wife and her lover very, very, very violently when he found out that they were having an affair and in later life had himself flagellated daily. Wow. By way of penance or because I, he liked that kind of thing? Well, this well, yeah, this is difficult to know. I mean, he's Italian rather than German. but <laughs> Many of the composers do seem to have enjoyed it, yes. Interestingly, this isn't necessarily a nutter. This is just something that's very interesting. A chap called Alexander Scriabin famously heard music as colours, didn't he? He had a rare He condition. did, yes. Yeah. Which is, I think, what happens when you take LSD, isn't it? Your senses get blurred and you start seeing noises and hearing colours and all sorts of strange things. That was Alexander Scriabin. Scriabin. Um, Richard Wagner, he, apparently he enjoyed cross-dressing and regular enemas. <laughs> I, I, wow. Whether the two were connected, I was, was going to try know. and make a joke there, but you don't really need to, do you? No, no, no. A blouse and a douse. Yeah, I once had someone I trained... Um, very, very posh, very wealthy. She would go to India on a regular basis to have coffee enemas. I can think Oof. of things I'd rather do. I can. <laughs> to be I too can think of things I'd rather do. Also, if you want to clean your bowels out, just eat the food in India. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Just buy food from a cafe. Yeah. And <laughs> drink the tap water. You don't need to spend money on coffee enemas. Yeah, that's a very good point. You can cleanse yourself quite happily by just eating food from the street. Yeah. Uh, so that's Richard Wagner. Um, <laughs> there was, we've mentioned quickly about Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. I couldn't believe how many composers 
spent some of their life in in insane asylums. Oh, yeah. Too many to list. I couldn't be bothered listing them. There were so many. (laughs) What? Um, What? It is this from the man who literally read off a list of 50 dwarf <laughs> names two weeks ago. <laughs> yes. Edvard Grieg, um, he apparently had a tiny little model of a frog in his pocket at all times. I don't know why. Like, I've heard madder things. Yeah, but I thought that was wonderful. I mean, that's mad. basically just a key fob, isn't it? Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe just collected things like that. Best of all, Frantisek Kotswara who by all accounts wasn't a particularly successful composer. But anyway, he died of autoerotic asphyxiation, Sam. Oh, lovely. Yeah, which made me a think... A usually only reserved for footballers. <laughs> Sam, when I heard about this chap, it did make me think, what could be an excellent family-friendly game that we could play in this podcast? <laughs> and, and that game, and I just had a think, and then I thought it up, Sam. I thought up a game, and it's called... <laughs> It's called Famous People What Killed Themselves Having a Sphixie Wank. That's the game. <laughs> Can you come up with anyone who you know died of sphixie wanking? Anyone famous? Oh, let's see how libelous we can be. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is... I, I, most of the cases are fairly well publicised. <laughs> um, Winston Churchill. No. <laughs> but it would have been a wonderful state funeral. And Frank. (laughs) Holding his cigar in his hand. Quite. quite. (laughs) So, Stephen Milligan, conservative, British conservative MP, died of a sphixie wank in 1994. David Carradine, who played Bill in Kill Bill, died the same way in 2009. Did he? And even more amazingly, Sam, David Carradine, if you go on Wikipedia and look at his filmography, the guy that died in 2009 was still starring in films in 2017. Amazing. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. Presumably in a sort of, in a sort of, I don't know, maybe playing uh, the role of a corpse in the background at a circus. <laughs> I don't know. Peter Motteur, a British journalist in 1718, died sphixie wanking. Uh, Kevin Gilbert, 1996, he was an American musician. And uh, a chap called Albert Decker, who was an American actor and has, actually has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He died having a sphixie wank as well. Wow, there we go. <laughs> there you go. And uh, he also... A fun game of top trumps for all the family. <laughs> it's brilliant, isn't it? And, and it also, wonderfully, Albert Decker once starred in a film called Once Upon a Tractor. <laughs> One of Sergio Leone's less well-known films. Once Upon a Tractor and Once With a Bag on His Head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Loose round his neck, yeah. Um, and because it's music week as well, Sam, I thought this game, if we're going to try and pitch it, to BBC or ITV, we need to have a theme <laughs> tune prepared. All good game shows need a catchy theme tune. <laughs> I'm not very good with music, but I think I'm quite good with, with lyrics. So I've, I've written some lyrics here, Sam, and I'd just like you maybe, once I've read them out to you, you can maybe help me out with a tune. <clears throat> Watching every motion in my foolish lover's game, on this endless ocean, finally lovers know no shame. Turning and returning Very poetic. to some secret place inside, watching in slow motion as you turn around and say, Take my breath away. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not sure those lyrics have ever been used before in a famous song. And then if you think that's too maybe romantically sultry, I've got, <laughs> I've, I've got, I've got a more... Because there's nothing more romantic than having a sphixie wank. I also came up with a reworked Cliff Richard classic that I thought could maybe be a bit more... 
Go on then. Upbeat. It goes a little bit like this. <clears throat> Asphyxiation and masturbation. <laughs> I want the world to know how kinky I can be. Self-flagellation with strangulation. King in the bucket whilst touching my willy. There you go. <laughs> that is beautiful, Tom. I was going to go with the simpler but possibly catchier wankety wank, wankety wank. It's all gone blank. <laughs> 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 but you know <laughs> it's only asphyxia wank <laughs> you better believe I'm right I'm trying to be joking myself tonight <laughs> I'm, I'm famed I'm famed for my perversions <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway <laughs> anyway sorry we're 40 minutes into the recording and I should now get on to <laughs> nursery have, rhymes we have done nothing <laughs> nothing Zero historical content. Right. Nursery rhymes. So what what I stumbled across, Sam, this week in my research is Tommy Thumb's songbook and the sequel, Tommy Thumb's Pretty Songbook, Volume 2, from 1744. Lovely. And these are the first published nursery rhymes in British history. Wow. Earliest known collections of, of British nursery rhymes. And uh, the originals aren't known. So we, we, we don't have any copies, but we know that it existed. The earliest copies are from around 1780, 1790. But there are a few original copies of the sequel, which was the Pretty Songbook. And they are in existence. One of them is actually in the British Library. And these nursery rhymes were clearly targeted at children, as you'd expect. But they also seem to be targeted at sort of female caregivers. So nurses, ah. as you'd expect. So there are sort of a few tips on how to sing these nursery rhymes to children. And the book is also very small, lots of big fonts and lots of quite cool illustrations. Incidentally, the illustrations were by a chap called George Bickham the Younger, who was also known to produce pornographic prints. So um, a, a chap <laughs> with... <laughs> there we go. I'm quite impressed that in the 1700s they had, like, proper kids' books with pictures and big writing and things. That's very forward thinking yeah yeah absolutely yeah lots of nice pictures of boobies <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. whoops wrong slate <laughs> and hence the babysitter kink came about <laughs> is there a baby well, i suppose there's a kink for most things isn't there there's a yes the babysitter kink Ooh. anyway the preface to the 1815 version of the sequel Here's a little quote. I recommend this your laudable design of compiling a collection of songs so fit for the capacities of infants, both in words and tunes, by which they are often lulled to rest when cross and in great pain. The first songs are very suitably composed for a baby, but pray be careful not to sing them too loud, lest you frighten the child. Bah, bah, black <laughs> sheep! <laughs> Have you any <laughs> So, yes... Bit of common sense there. Don't don't shout a nursery. <laughs> Go to sleep, little baby. <laughs> you can calm down now. Twinkle, twinkle. So some other quick tips. Do not let the children become too relaxed around animals in case they get caught <laughs> playing with animals what? that are not very good-natured. Presumably this is because the nursery rhymes are about animals and you don't want your children to think that all animals jump over the moon oh, right okay yeah. it's not just a piece of separate advice don't let your children play with <laughs> wild animals by the way enjoy these nursery rhymes yeah. also keep them away from open flame that's right look both ways when crossing the road no, yeah. <laughs> don't litter not cool no not just a random tip 
Also, don't throw your children around too enthusiastically. That was the, the <laughs> third tip. Yeah, and many a child has had their back dislocated with this, apparently. Not very clever back in the no. uh, 1700s, were they? No, somewhat stupid parenting. Yeah, um. Sw- swinging your child around whilst shouting at it. <laughs> Throwing it at a dog. Trying to get it to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Get out of my house, you! So there you go, Kevin. So, so... Kevin, the cat's back. What should we do? <laughs> Throw little John at him. So some nursery. Here are some nursery rhymes from these original nursery rhyme collections. Lullaby Baby was in there, Sam. That's one of the originals. Pat a cake, which apparently is one of the oldest British nursery rhymes. So people who are experts in this area say that's one of the oldest ones. Could be traced back much further than the 18th century. London Bells, London Bridge. Here is London Bridge, Sam. Here's the original version of London Bridge. London Bridge is broken down. Dance over my Lady Lee. London Bridge is broken down with a gay lady. How shall we build it up again? With a gay lady. (laughs) Build it up with gravel and stone. Dance over my Lady Lee. Build it up with gravel and stone. With a gay lady. (laughs) We'll wash away. Dance over my Lady Lee. Gravel and stone will wash away with a gay lady. So I, I, I don't know what the obsession it's is. It's a rather lesbian-heavy lesbian nursery rhyme, this, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm not quite sure what the obsession is with lesbians in this nursery rhyme, but no. Although I'm glad they're having more of an impact in the 18th-century construction market than they've previously been given credit for. <laughs> so also, yes. that's a, that's definitely a version of the Three Little Pigs I haven't heard before. One built his house from gravel. One built his house from stone, and one built his house from lesbians. <laughs> As a building material (laughs) I don't don't know where to go with that Sam No neither do I It was just a thought (laughs) (laughs) Tom Thumb is in in this book Uh, Here's a good one Sam That didn't really make its way through the Victorian period It goes piss a bed, piss a bed, barley butt Your bum is so heavy you can't get up (laughs) (laughs) I repeat that It's so good I mean, that's not what you want to hear in the morning, is it? No, well, or to put you to sleep. Or to put you to sleep. Piss a bed, piss a bed, barley butt. Your bum is so heavy you can't get up. <laughs> My beautiful child. <laughs> yeah. Apparently it's about having a wet nappy, apparently. Well, um, you know, I mean, that much is obvious. <laughs> yeah, your bum is so heavy. I don't know what barley butt, but anyway. Barbar black sheep is in this original collection. Here's an interesting aside when I was researching Barbar Black Sheep. The 1987 British general election is where the term loony left was coined. And in 1986, there had been a few examples of nurseries choosing not to use the rhyme Barbar Black Sheep because apparently it was racist. This was very heavily politicised. It was obviously only a few nurseries and a few people being a bit silly. But then it got used politically as a, a way of sort of discrediting the left, which is, I thought was very interesting. I think I vaguely remember something about this. When I was growing up, the kind of earliest memories would have been from like 1990-ish, and I've got a vague recollection of people, either either my nursery doing it or people complaining about it and it becoming kind of an urban legend that nurseries were banning Barbar Black Sheep for being racist. It certainly seems to have happened. There certainly seems to have been a few nurseries that did actually ban it, but it would have just been the odd stupid person who didn't understand the history behind it. Uh, But I think it was certainly jumped upon by the Conservatives and used as a a bit of a political tool. Hickory Dickory Dock is also in this book. And interestingly, Exeter Cathedral has an astronomical clock. And there is a hole in the door to the room that houses the mechanisms for this clock. 
apparently for cats to get through so they can hunt mice, and that's where Hickory Dickory Dock apparently comes from. Interesting. So what do, what is Hickory Dickory Dock? I don't know. I don't know. Isn't it Hickory? Hickory is a type of... I mean, it might Hickory just be, is a type of wood. It's a type of wood, isn't it? Um, I don't know. But I don't know what a Dickory Dock is. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's connected to the lesbians. The maybe lesbians, it is. Maybe do they use Dickory Docks? <laughs> <laughs> Out of my wheelhouse, Tom, I'm afraid. <laughs> Ladybird, ladybird, fly away home. Your house is on fire and your children are gone. All except one, and her name is Anne. And she hid under the baking pan. Nice. There's lots of variations of that one. And there's a a variation that hasn't been as popular, which is, your house is on fire, your children shall burn. (laughs) Apparently that was an early version. Sleep well, my darling. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently that was an early version of that nursery rhyme. Here's another one that you'll like, Sam. Little Robin Redbreast. Little Robin Redbreast, sitting on a pole... Niddle noodle went his head and poop went his hole. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer this version. Yeah. So we many of us will have heard a variation of Little Robin Redbreast. And it's actually a very nice early example of boulderization or expedition. Yes. Which was censoring content deemed to be a bit rude. It was. Yes, and uh, a lot of the stuff that I'm going to talk about has been boulderized over the years. It's a lovely word, isn't it, boulderized? It's a great word, but it's ruined an awful lot of very good funny songs. <laughs> yeah, I bet it has. Mary Mary, that's in, in this book. Sing a song of sixpence, that's also in this book. Uh, so there are lots of very, very famous nursery rhymes in here. Now there is, when I was researching this, there are a lot of nursery rhymes that are postulated, without very strong evidence, to be about historical events. So I'll give you a bit of an example. London Bridge is falling down is alleged to have been about the destruction of London Bridge in the early 11th century by Olaf II of Norway. And uh, the fair lady, supposedly, is Matilda of Scotland, who had numerous bridges built across the Thames in the first few decades of the 12th century, still talking about London Bridge. But realistically, Sam... Built by lesbians. Yes, yes. Lady Matilda of Scotland, who is famously a lesbian. But realistically... I mean, she does sound like she could be a drag queen. Matilda of Scotland. Lady Lady Matilda. Hello, my name's Matilda of Scotland. (laughs) During the day, they call me Dave. But at night, (laughs) I become Matilda. (laughs) Queen of the dessert. (laughs) Big fat man dressed as a woman. Realistically, though, it's going to be very, very hard to find in any of these nursery rhymes an origin, an historical event that was the, the origin of these nursery rhymes because they've, they've just been passed on orally for so many centuries. And all of these postulations about the origins of some of these nursery rhymes, they, they're very, very loose. They haven't got much evidence at all. Quite commonly as well, there's evidence that a lot of these nursery rhymes, the meanings and the interpretations actually changed with political events, current political events. Yeah, Yeah. so it's very, very difficult to put any solid explanation behind a lot of these nursery rhymes. They've just evolved so much over so long a period of time. Here's a good example, actually, Sam, of a nursery rhyme. Ring a ring of roses. The urban myth is that it's about the Great Plague. Apparently that's all complete nonsense. Is it? Yeah, the plague references... Yeah, the plague references have only been made in the last century. So before that, this nursery rhyme is well documented and there are no references to the plague that is interesting yeah experts have also pulled it apart a little bit more closely and found out that there's not much to do with the plague so posies for example are just flowers i think yes so they're a pocket full of posies is, is, is yes a pocket full of flowers yeah what is it about then does anyone have any ideas i'm not sure there is actually uh you you talked last week about i oh know it was the week before wasn't it it was disney week you talked about the index 
for fairy tales. There's actually one for nursery rhymes as well. The Rolled Folk Song Index. The Rolled Folk Song Index. And I think that's because a lot of these nursery rhymes have just evolved through cultures and through time and space. And a lot of them have a lot of similarities. There are nursery rhymes in German, for example, that are very similar to nursery rhymes in British. So they, yeah, apparently there's an index to categorise all these numerous nursery rhymes. So there you have it, Sam. That's what I did this week. I perused the earliest known collection of British nursery rhymes and uh, giggled at the ruder versions that didn't make it through the Victorian period. Fantastic. Well, that's wonderful, Tom, and a, and a beautiful segue because I'm going to be very highbrow today and talk about some of the beautiful pop songs, popular music from historical periods that you might not have heard of, and there may just be one or two little boo jokes in there, Tom. There might be. I don't know. I tried to avoid them. I really did, but it just turns out that I stumbled across them, and oops, here they are on our podcast. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> stumbled across a couple of turds. I did indeed. Oh, I hope I haven't put my foot in it. Yeah, hmm? because a couple of I do that on a regular basis because some tossers don't pick up their dog poo on the verge outside our house. <laughs> Wankers. So, Tom, as I said earlier, I promised I'd go old today. I've not gone quite as old as I was hoping to because it turns out classic, classical music from the Greek and Roman periods is either not very well known about or not very interesting. So... I'm going to take you on a whistle-stop tour of early popular European music from kind of the Middle Ages up to the end of the early modern period because it is really interesting to see that whilst music has changed, the topics that people like to sing about, particularly, it must be said, young boys and men, (laughs) haven't really evolved all that much over the centuries. And I think that we might have a little giggle today in the same way that people hundreds of years ago were having a little giggle. And isn't that nice? Isn't that a I'm nice I'm really thought? looking forward to this, Sam. I'm very much looking forward to this. <laughs> in your research, did you come across how long ago uh, Cliff Richard appears in historical um, <laughs> pop music? Yeah, he's first mentioned in 1688. Yeah, and... the first calendar <laughs> is from 1689. Yeah. The Clifforian calendar, which never really took off. Um... <laughs> It didn't take off because he didn't have a shirt off. No, that's The popular true. ones, yeah, the popular ones were when he got to the age of about 500 and started taking his shirt off. <laughs> I love a good Cliff Richard calendar. <laughs> I know what to get you for Christmas now. Yeah. Good old Cliff. Good old, old, old Cliff. And, and much like Cliff Richard and his music, Tom, early European music was all about the church. See my beautiful segue there to try and get it back Wonderfully on topic done. 50 minutes Wonderfully into the recording. <laughs> So I'm going to start by taking us very, very quickly, because this bit's not very funny, back to the 5th century, uh, the fall of the Roman (laughs) Empire. Hey! (laughs) And going forward for the next thousand years or so. And when we start off, the church controlled pretty much all culture in Europe and censored very heavily with promises of hell and damnation. So pretty much all music that people sang was exclusively there to glorify God and what has remained today what still exists in written form was all written down by monks and so is all very religious it's pretty boring and frankly God liked order Tom the church based its musical theory off Greek musical theory which as I've said before is really quite dull it's all about maths and mathematical progressions and being very clean and single voices there wasn't much in the way of harmony and there certainly were not any blistering lute solos (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to go into the musical theory side of things because I will get it wrong, but Western music is, when you break it down, Western music is actually really kind of messy. There's places where the maths of music just doesn't really work very well and you sort of have to skip over things because they just don't sound right. And the church didn't like mess, it didn't like things that sounded wrong because God liked order, and so they cracked down on the bits of music 
that didn't quite sound right. In fact, there was a chord that was banned, Tom. Have you heard about this? No, I, I'm very, like I say, I'm very unmusical. So no, I'm not, I, I don't even know what a chord is. Is it what corduroys are made of? It is. And this was the devil's own corduroy, Tom. The devil's own corduroy. A chord is a, a progression of notes that that harmonise. They say they sound nice together in very, very simple music terms. But there was one which is called the tritone or augmented fourth or the flattened fifth, if you like. None of that's important. It was known as the devil's interval. And people could be censured by the early church. In fact, some people were even excommunicated for using it unnecessarily. Interestingly, wow. it's one of the most common series of notes that's used in blues and metal music today. So What's nothing it changes. Like? It's still Satan's own note. Yeah. Uh, what does it sound like? Um, it's the kind of it's uh, it's kind of uh, it's kind of hard to describe because I can't sing. <laughs> could you could you go? But it's quite like... creepy sounding. It's like. Do, do, do. Oh, that was creepy. That's it. I mean, it's not necessarily in any key anyone will recognise, but that's what it sounds like. Which is used in a lot of blues and metal music today. Uh, oh. Which, yeah. So, so there we go. It's one of the most common bits of music today. Uh, but the early church absolutely hated it. Anyway, enough of that, because I want to get on to some pop music. And our first stop is a very, very popular play from the 1470s called Mankind. Now, Mankind is a morality play about a bloke, slightly confusingly, called Mankind. And it's about being good and glorifying God and all of the boring stuff that we've known so far. It's not known who originally wrote it, though the transcription that survives is by a monk called Hingham. So it's pretty boring. Overall, blah blah blah, tempted by the devil, blah blah blah, Mankind rises up, glorifies God. So far so normal. Fortunately, there are three demons in the play who are called New Guys, which basically means fashion, Nowadays, which is living for today or partying too hard, and naught, not worrying or not thinking about the bigger picture. So you have these three demons, new guys, nowadays, and naught. And all of these naughty demons, Tom, they are tricksters. They're here to provide some comic relief in the play and lead the main character into all kinds of satanic rabbit holes. <laughs> this sounds brilliant. <laughs> and at one point in this play, Tom, around about the interval, they sing a very lovely song. It's a really nice song. And they sing it to mankind whilst he's working hard in the fields to cheer him up and to also try and lead him down dark paths. The song doesn't have a name in the play, but interestingly, it's one of the first known Christmas songs, Tom. Oh. First ever Christmas songs. Even possibly older than Cliff Richard. I was about to say, yeah, I, was about to make, I was going to make a Cliff Richard joke. <laughs> and it's been given the name by academics in, in years since as the Shitty Breaches song. <laughs> <laughs> Shitty Breaches. How do you get your breeches shitty? Well, well, it's an audio podcast, Tom. I don't know how we're going to describe that. But there's a word in the song which requires a little translation, and that is the word holic, which is Middle English for holy, and obviously modern English sounds quite a lot like whole lick. Uh, right. Audiences at the time would have understood both meanings, so a lovely bit of double entendre for you there. <laughs> In this okay. marvellous Christmas song, Tom, <laughs> from 1470. About, about a hole licking. Ugh. I'm going to sing a few lines for this song for you now, oh, Tom. Oh, sing it all. Um, I, I want to hear it I do apologise. I don't know what the music is, so I'm just going I'm just going to kind of... It's going to do it as a bit of beat poetry, probably. We'll see what happens. And it starts off with the character saying to the audience, Now I pray all the yeomanry that is here to sing with us a merry cheer. So everyone in the audience, sing along. Join in. You can join in too if you think if you, think you can get the hold of the words, Tom. 
He that shitteth with his hole, 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 but he wipeth his arse clean, 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 on his breeches shall be seen, on his breeches shall be seen, on his breeches shall be seen, on his breeches shall be seen. Holic, 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 holic. Hey, mankind, God speed you with your spade. I shall tell you of a marry age. I would your mouth and his ass that this maid were married jointly together. And then the last bit kind of loses its pace a little bit. But That's yes, brilliant. holic, 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 holic. I pray that you kiss his ass. <laughs> <laughs> what a strange, strange song. So there we go, Tom. A charming ditty from the end of the Middle Ages, which shows the boys will be boys. Will I like be the word shitteth. <laughs> yeah, shitteth. <laughs> and on the seventh day... It's actually in, even better in the original. It's, it's spelt and I think probably pronounced shiteth. <laughs> it's almost better. So anyway, Tom, that's that's a bit of pop music from the 1470s there. And now I'm going to fast forward us 150 years to Elizabethan England, a time of spiritual and national turmoil. You can see why I'm trying to make this historically relevant. The Catholic Church had been overthrown in England and there was something of a backlash against traditional spiritualism. Education was also becoming more widespread and less dominated by the church. And so more kind of relevant and popular themes evolve in music and culture. As a result, music became kind of more democratised a little bit and wasn't dominated by church-led spiritualism anymore. And you start to get a lot of the folk songs and the folk music that we have coming through today and that we know today, basically as bawdy drinking songs, songs like the, you know, the, <laughs> the Wild Rover and that kind of thing. And guess what, Tom? When you let people write their own music, quite a lot of it's about shagging. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> and so there's one song in particular I'd like to mention on our Whistle Stop tour of pop music, and it's called Watkins Ale. Now, the tune to this is really quite beautiful. It's sort of a cross between the Blackadder theme tune and Packabell's Canon in D. And I'm going to, uh, for the audience, I'm going to paste in a slightly higher quality version of this, but I'm going to play this to you through my speakers now, Tom, so you can get just an impression, because I found a royalty-free version of it, of, of what this sounded like. Oh, OK. Uh, so let me just uh, see, if I can, me, you're prepared see if this, I can huh? find this. This is groundbreaking. It is groundbreaking, isn't it? <clears throat> Here we go, this is Watkins Ale. So a lovely, a lovely little you can get you get a sense of the of the tune there. A lovely ditty. So the music is wonderful, Tom, but the lyrics not so much. Less overtly rude, this one, and more innuendo-driven. But don't worry, if you think that's a bit too academic, our next stop on this Whistle Stop tour is very much more in your face, so to speak. <laughs> so allow me to be academic for a moment. The song starts off like this. There was a maid this other day, and she would needs go forth to play. And as she walked, she sitteth and said, I'm afraid to die a maid. And with that beheard a lad, what talk this maiden had? Whereof he was fully glad, and did not spare to say, Fair maid, I pray, where go are you to play? Good sir, then did she say, What do you care? I, I don't know where the music goes with that bit. <laughs> For I will without fail, maiden, 
give you what Kinzale, what Kinzale could sir, quoth she, what is that, I pray you tell me? So basically what's happening is there's a young lady who's afraid to die a virgin, Tom. And some young lad overhears her and says, I'll give you something to drink, love. I'll give you my Watkins Ale. Have it. I'll give you my Watkins Ale. Are you swinging a pint around like Asterix and Obelix while you're singing it? I am, yes. A pint of orange juice, but... (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Rather than semen. But yes... (laughs) Mm. Tis sweeter fare than sugar fine And pleasanter than muscadine And if you please, fair maid, to stay A little while with me to play I will give you all the same Watkins Ale called by name Or else I were to blame In truth, fair maid Good sir, quoth she again If you will take the pain I will not refrain nor be dismayed He took this maiden then aside and led her where she was not spied and told her many pretty tale and gave her well of Watkins Ale. (laughs) (laughs) So what did he say, Tom? He said, oh, it's lovely tasting this stuff. And then he took her off somewhere quiet and shagged her brains out. You know what you want, you know? You know know what you need, love. You need a good shag. That's what you do. You need a good shag. (laughs) What a charmer. Yeah, I know, right? And the song goes on for a few more verses. It's quite a long song, this. I'm not going to sing the whole thing. So he, he spends a couple of verses chatting her up and then she says... Stop talking, I want another go. Hey, does she write? (laughs) Does she? Does she act on? So a couple of verses goes on and we have this. When he had done to her his will, they talked, but what did not shall skill. At last was she saying your tale, give me some more of what ale, or else I will not stay. Uh, Blah, 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 blah. Yet let's talk a little while. With that, the maid began to smile and said, Good sir, for well I know, your ale I see runs very low. He's knackered, Tom. He's spent. His tanks are empty. There's nothing left. (laughs) His barrel, he's got to the bottom of the barrel. (laughs) (laughs) Thrice three months were gone and passed, and what's happened, Tom? Her colour waxed wan and pale with taking too much of Watkins' ale. (laughs) 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 She's having a baby, Tom. Ale will make their bellies bound. As trial by this same is noun. This proverb hath been taught in schools. No jesting with edged tools. No jesting with hard edged tools uh, basically translates as just like they taught you in school, don't play with sharp objects. And they mean willies, Tom. They mean will- I thought they meant willies. <laughs> it's a wonderful little song. Um, there's, a, there's another verse at the end about the singer is sorry for making the ladies blush but men are led by their willies uh, what's the line all winkers are not blind Tom <laughs> all winkers are not blind That's all winkers are not blind men are led by their willies and when you drink the ale beware the toast for therein lay the danger most there you go so don't drink too much or you'll get pregnant there, there we go. go it's a, a final warning about the withdrawal method there <laughs> <laughs> a lovely tale, Tom. Another lovely tale, and it shows that despite changing musical tastes and 150 years of cultural evolution, boys will still be boys, won't they? They still like a good, dirty song. They do. And speaking of dirty songs, Tom, I've saved the best till last. We're going to fast forward 150 years again to Austria in 1782. A time and a land of playboys and dandies, Tom. A time of opulence and a time of a little-known composer called Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Oh, him. Him again. Him. Now, Mozart's obviously one of the most glorified classical composers in the world. And it turns out, Tom, as we've alluded to already, he was absolute filth, wasn't he? (laughs) Again, I I only stumbled across... I didn't research this, so I'm looking forward to this. I just... I, (laughs) I read... I read that he was naughty, a naughty boy... 
a naughty boy. Have you ever heard any of his lyrics and writings? No, not at all. You're in for a treat, Tom. So the Germans and Austrians, I think it's fair to say, they've got a bit of a reputation, there's a bit of a stereotype, uh, that they are quite scatological. They, yep. they, like, they like a poo joke, the Germans, and their, their habits are, are quite kind of down the pan. They are the scat men. I'm not sure Scatman John really knew what he was singing about, or maybe he did. <laughs> maybe he did. Yes, maybe, maybe he did. did. I'm the Scatman. But, uh, oh. but it turns out, Tom, that amongst their uh, beautiful food of chicken battered and rotten cabbage, and their beautiful uh, culture, which they've spread throughout the world through constant invasions. <laughs> the Germans also joke. have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the Germans also have uh, a beautiful sense of songwriting and lyrics, Tom. And they love shit jokes. Ah, yeah. We find these shit jokes very funny, yeah? They're very, yes. very amusing. And Mozart was probably the, he was probably the leader of this. Uh, one of his favourite hobbies was to write beautiful, really lovely choral pieces. <laughs> For his friends, <laughs> with incredibly lyrics. dirty lyrics, <laughs> brilliant, sung by full choirs in the round, <laughs> including one very famous one called "Lick Me Im Ass," which translates Tom as "Lick Me in the Ass." <laughs> <laughs> How old was he when he wrote this? Uh, he's mid twenties, I think. In mid to the mid twenties, early thirties. Oh, brilliant! So he wrote this song called "Lick Mich Lick Lick Mich im Ass," called "Lick Me in the Ass." And when he died, his poor wife, wanting to preserve all of his works, took this particular piece along with some of his other <laughs> choral rounds <laughs> to a music publishers. And between the two of them, they decided that whilst it was beautiful, it probably wasn't particularly family friendly. No. And so Lech mich im Ars became Last Frau uns sein, or Let Us Be Glad, which is probably what Mozart was after being lecht in his ass. Yeah, um, having someone <laughs> lick his ass. He also wrote another a beautiful choral piece. In fact, I've got I've got a little clip of this, Tom. I'm going to play you another little clip. Oh, yes, please do. Of Lech mich im Ars, just so you can see what this beautiful choral piece sounded like. Hold on a second. I'll play it again. It really does feel like your ass is being licked through your ears. Rimming, rimming, <laughs> rim, rimini, rim, rimini, rim, 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 bomb. Chiroo. <laughs> the day can't get much better when you've licked out me poo. I'm gonna sweep. Your chimney too. <laughs> rim, 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 Beautiful. Uh, he also wrote a glorious choral piece in Latin called Difficile Lectu, which has the line in it Difficile Lectu, Lectu, Lectu Mihimas, which actually doesn't make much sense in Latin, as our audience will obviously know, all being obviously fluent, uh, fluent in Latin. A lot of listeners in the Vatican. We do. <laughs> it translates as difficult reading, reading to Mars. It doesn't make an awful lot of sense as a choral piece until you realise that it was designed specifically to be sung by his good friend Nipomuk Payerl, who had a thick Bavarian accent. And what does the Latin sentence sound like in Bavarian, Tom? I don't know. I speak neither Latin nor Bavarian. 
<laughs> it sounds, Tom, very much like Lick Me in the Arse again. <laughs> hey! <laughs> so he wrote a song specifically to make his friend accidentally say Lick Me in the Arse whilst performing <laughs> it. <laughs> you gotta, you got to enjoy your work, Sam. You gotta have you do have to work. enjoy your work. You do have to enjoy your work. And uh, Mozart had a particularly horrible way with words. <laughs> he wrote some absolutely appalling letters to his family and friends as well. Uh, there's one particular letter to his cousin, who is also possibly his love interest. In the in 1777, he wrote this letter. And he said, "You command that I too should send you my portrait. Eh bien, I shall mail it for sure. Oui, by the love of my skin, I shit on your nose so it runs down your chin." <laughs> Wolfgang. <laughs> and he signs off this same letter with I now wish you a good night Shit in your bed with all your might Sleep with peace on your mind And try to kiss your own behind <laughs> <laughs> Shit with all your might <laughs> Brilliant And try to kiss your own behind Fantastic <laughs> But it turns out Mozart wasn't the only filthy composer Knocking around Eastern Europe in the 18th century Tom Oh no 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 because there's another song which for decades was actually attributed to Mozart, and it may have been him. But musical theorists today who have studied these things, <laughs> because what other bits of classical music would you study, apart from Lick Me in the Arse, think it was possibly another composer, a, a Czech guy called Wenzel Turnka. I'm going to finish this whistle-stop tour of the scatological pop music of historical Europe with the lyrics of this beautiful song song, translated into English. In German it starts off, Leck mir den Arsch recht schon. Fein sauber lecker ihn. Fein sauber lecker, lecker mir den Arsch. <laughs> uh, that's, that's the German, Tom. And would you like to know the full translation of this song in English? I suspect there's a bit of arse licking from, from my <laughs> limited knowledge of German learned yes. today. This is what I'm going to finish us on today, Tom. Uh, do join in if you, if you know the words. Lick my arse nicely. <laughs> Lick it nice and clean. <laughs> nice and clean, lick my ass. That's a greasy desire. <laughs> Nicely buttered. <laughs> like the licking of roast meat, it's my daily activity. <laughs> oh my good. Three will lick more than two. Come on, just try it. And lick, lick, lick. Everybody lick their ass themselves. <laughs> <laughs> what? There we go, Tom. There we go. That's Lek mir den Arsch recht schon. That's Lick Me in the Arse, Nice and Clean. A song originally attributed to Mozart, but possibly oh written by one of his Lord. contemporaries. What is the obsession with having your ass licked? <laughs> it's the Germans, Tom. It's the Germans. Oh, how very strange. You know, it says various ways to show that you love someone, Tom. You can send some flowers. You can write some love poetry. Or you can just kiss them on the ass. <laughs> you can just nozzle in between the buttocks of your lover and lick the ass. It's what we call in German, Tom, untrust exercising. <laughs> Which translated to English as a trust exercise. <laughs> what was wrong with these? What was wrong with Mozart? What was his obsession with having people's noses and mouths up against his bottom? <laughs> I still, I still particularly, particularly love. Shit. <laughs> I shall mail it for sure. Yes, by the love of my skin, I shit on your nose so it runs down your chin. <laughs> it's because it, 
Because it sounds like it is going to be a romantic poem. Sealed with a loving kiss. <laughs> it lulls, lulls you into thinking it's going to be a lovely poem. But there we go, Tom. There we go. Uh, a highbrow tour of scatological folk songs and classical music from 750 years of European history. Excellent. I, To be honest... I thought I was going to do something highbrow this week, and then I thought, no, let's do rude folk songs. <laughs> no, I can't blame you. It's actually similar to Boccaccio's to Cameron that we discussed. Very yes, I was thinking this as I was re- as I was reading it. People yeah. throughout time have very much been into very rude stories. Nothing has changed. <laughs> no, nothing. Absolutely. We have iPhones now, and we have Western underwear and whatever. You do. I don't know why I decided that iPhones and underwear were the only things that had changed in seven hundred and fifty years. But nothing has changed other than that. Humans are still humans. We still find poo funny. (laughs) Nothing has changed other than Western underwear. (laughs) (laughs) iPhones and pants. iPhones and pants. It's all about the iPhone and the pants. Nothing else has changed. Oh, excellent. There we go. What are are non-Western pants like? That's a topic for a future episode, isn't it? Underwear of the world. (laughs) Underwear of the world. And it could also be a charity single. With lots of of famous musicians contributing. Clothe the world, make it a better place. By shitting your britches and wiping bums in your face, there are people crying. Because it's been a while since a rimming. Make a better place for you and for me. Unfortunately, with what we know about Michael Jackson. (laughs) What are we doing next week? Should we try and go classical? Yeah, I, let's we, let's do a classical one, or the option at least for classics. I I was thinking, Tom, I had an idea, and you can shoot me down with this one because it's quite vague. But I was thinking, the North hmm. leaves it quite quite wide and open. The North, much like the girls of the North. <laughs> yeah, so I want to see what you did there. <laughs> Uh, hey. North, uh, the North, okay, we can, but that takes us away away from Central Europe. But not necessarily, Tom, because what was north of ancient Greece? What did they think of the north, uh. of the barbarians up north? What did the Ro- Romans' northern expansion up to the Danube? All right. And the various campaigns up there. You've sold it to me. We'll do the north. Good. I mean, if you've got any better ideas, we can do better ideas. No, I like the north. I like the idea. It's vague. And it will, it will allow us to be creative. That's how I like my history, Tom. Vague. Hey, <laughs> bygone. Romans. Romans expanding to... Nah. Big softies. Italian bunsies. I hope you have enjoyed this podcast. If you have, please do uh, let us know by leaving a comment on your podcast app of choice. As I said before, right at the beginning of this podcast, it is my birthday. And if you want to leave me a present, the best and kindest thing you can do is to... Lick his ass. <laughs> with a five-star review on your podcast app of choice iTunes would be nice if not go wild whatever and do follow us on social media just search for That Was Genius wherever you are you'll probably find us and we will see you next week for a trip north a trip up north trip up north and on that note we should probably sing goodbye shouldn't we Tom time for me to to sing goodbye goodbye lick my ass. <laughs> That's very good, yeah. Very good. See you next week. Bye.